Hey, welcome back to Random Thoughts by a Random Dude, Sports Talk with Zeke Trezevant. I want to start this episode by saying thank you to anyone and everyone who took the time out to listen to the first episode and to those who took the time to reach out to me and let me know their thoughts and their ideas and kind of critique the show a little bit. I find it very valuable when other people put their insight, their views on things and kind of give you a different way of looking at it. And I want you all to know that that's something that I really took to heart. And those changes, those ideas are things that I plan on implementing going forward. Now, with that said, this episode here is going to be about this random dude and giving you more insight to my history in the sports industry. So like I told you in the very first episode, things started for me back in 2009, 2010 at Western Michigan University. And how things kind of came about for me was that I, at the time I had a blog actually titled Random Thoughts by a Random Dude. That's where I actually got the name for this podcast was from my original blog, which to me, I always felt like that changed my life in a big way that at the time, I don't think I really realized. Uh, but that blog is what kind of gave me the background, the start, the kickstart, if you will, to the sports editor job, because it taught me essentially how to write and read, right? Not necessarily, you know, read and write per se, right? But how to do it in terms of sports, right? Sports writing and sports reading in general, sports journalism is actually a little bit different uh, than normal reading. You don't read a sports article or write a sports article the same way you would a newspaper or a normal article. So I will say that that kind of got me prepared for the sports editor job. So what ended up happening when I got that sports editor job was I essentially was tasked with putting together the sports section of the school paper. So what I would do is I would have certain people over certain sports whether it's basketball, football, volleyball, and they would write the articles that were appropriate for the time. I would take those articles, format it, edit it, make sure everything was right, you know, with punctuation, things of that nature, and put it all together and make sure it looked good when it went out for print for the paper. Um, now, if the people didn't write their articles, which oftentimes happen, that means it fell on me. So there are times where I would be writing for volleyball, for golf, for basketball, and then I might have one or two other people put in their own articles to help round things out. So what that opportunity did for me was it, it put me shoulder to shoulder in rooms that I really never thought I would be in. Um, we're talking the media rooms, the media scrums during practice, after practice, after the game, on the field, you know, at halftime, after the game, things of that nature. And uh, one thing I'll remember, uh, one of the funny stories that I always tell people about the sports editor job uh, was my very first game as a sports editor. It was Western Michigan versus Michigan State up in East Lansing. So we were in the press box and looking starstruck. It was like, oh my goodness, I'm seeing people that you only see on TV, right? Because those are where the sports casters were. We're in the press box. Uh, so again, Western Michigan, Michigan State, that was actually Le'Veon Bell's very first college football game. Now at the time, he wasn't Le'Veon Bell. It was his very first college football game. Like he was a, he was a senior in high school three months before that. So he wasn't quite Le'Veon Bell at the time. Uh, but nevertheless, he went off for, I want to say, 150 yards, 170 yards, something like that. After the game, I had an opportunity to interview him. My boss comes up to me and she's like, hey, you know, do you want to interview that freshman running back? And my exact words were, hell no, I don't want to interview that freshman running back. Why would I want to interview that guy? Right. He just ran all over my team. Um, so needless to say, years later, uh, I still regret passing up the opportunity to interview Le'Veon Bell. So. Uh, that was one of my good memories. Also, I would say uh, Western Michigan versus Notre Dame. Uh, hell of a day, man. People in South Bend, Indiana are one of a kind. Very, very nice people. Uh, I remember going to the to the game, just really taking it all in afterwards with my buddy Chris. And we were on the field after the game. 
I'll never forget this. And, and Chris is a little bit older than me, so he's seen some things. But I'll never forget we were on the field and I look over and I look over at Chris and he looks honest to God like he saw a ghost. I mean, he looked like somebody just walked past him that he didn't know what to do. So I'm like, what's going on? So naturally, I look at what he's looking at. Come to find out it's Joe Montana and Joe Montana is within arm's reach of me. So when I look, all I did was I shouted, Joe, <laughs> I shouted, no joke, it's Joe. And he turns around and I stuck my hand out, my right hand, and he shook my hand. And I'll never forget just the Chris looking like he saw a ghost, Joe Montana right there, and me. The only thing I could even spit out at the time was Joe. And he turned around, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, talked to us for a couple of seconds, which honestly, that's all you really need, right? That's still Joe Montana. You still shook his hand and talked to him for 30 seconds. So <laughs> that was, you know, a few of my best memories from Western Michigan. Uh, but what I would say is that that sports editor job at Western Michigan put me on a trajectory that really changed my life. So after that job, I graduated college and then I moved back down to Atlanta, Georgia. Now, if you know me, that's home. I've been a lifelong, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, a lifelong Atlanta Falcons fan. Uh, so what I did was, was after I had the sports editor job for a while, I was also before, you know, we even go into the Atlanta Falcons freelancing job before that. I was actually in sports radio for three years. Um, I, I would be crazy to leave that out. Um, crazy long nights and days working at WKZO in, in Kalamazoo, Michigan, uh, making the, the 30 second sports updates that would go between, uh, radio shows. And I would work that job Saturday nights. I would go in at 10 PM. I would get off at 9 AM Sunday morning, Sunday night. I would go in at 9 PM. I would get off at 5 AM on Monday morning. And then Monday I would have 8 AM class. And I did that for about three years, um, just working the midnight shift. And that's really where, where my love of radio and sports radio came into play because, you know, during those nights, man, it's just you, it's just you and the microphones, right? There's nobody in the radio station with you. Um, so what I would say is, is that that really kind of made me tough in the sense that it really made me realize like, Hey, you got to think about this, right? You don't want to just put three years of time into something that you don't really love. Um, and. I did. Right. And, and what that did was it, it led to the opportunity in terms of the freelance job down in Atlanta. Now, what my big biggest memory would be from uh, WKZO, I would say after three years of working that midnight shift, I actually had the opportunity to cover the Atlanta Falcons versus the Detroit Lions up at Ford Field. And that was amazing. That was that was my very first time in the Atlanta Falcons locker room. And I remember um, we barely won the game. Um, Julio Jones was on the team, but he did not play. Uh, and I remember after the game, I walked into the locker room. I had on my black slacks. I had on my red shirt. And Matt Ryan was right there. And we were in the locker room. And I, I just shook his hand. I said, hey, Matt, I'm a big fan. He kind of, you know, shook my hand and kind of gave me a hand out like, cool. You know, and then after, <laughs> no joke, he came, he went and took a shower and he came back, dried off and note on, on everything I find holy. He taps me on the shoulder and he just gives me a hug. Matt Ryan just hugs me. And I'm like, that's my dog. Like up until that point, I was kind of like, uh, maybe, maybe not. But once that happened, I'm like, yo, that's my dude. Like I, I swear by, by Matt Ryan to this day. Um, not only because of that, but because obviously, I mean, the man plays well on the field nine times out of 10. So, um, again, what that led to was that freelance job that I mentioned a moment ago back uh, home in Atlanta. The year after that. So this was the 2012 season, uh, NFC championship season. And that year, man, I was in the locker room every day, uh, for practice Monday through Friday. I would be in flowery branch, uh, working a freelance job where I was not getting paid. 
Um, I wasn't getting paid anything. But for me, my compensation, I looked at it as was like I'm in the locker room with my favorite team Monday through Friday. Right. You know, That's huge. Right. There's not too many other people in there. So I'm with my favorite team, people that I idolize, and I'm able to talk to them, mix and mingle with them on a much more intimate level than I really think I could have ever dreamed of. Um, so did that for a season. Um, I would say biggest and best memory from the Falcons, uh, freelance job. I've got so many of them. I would say practice. One of, one of the practices that, uh, Matt Ryan had was god awful. I mean, he must have thrown like six, seven interceptions this practice. And I remember going into the game that week. I'm like, yo, we're going to lose. And all I know is, is he came and he balled out even after throwing all of the interceptions. Um, that was something that I'm like, Hey, the, the world would never know that he threw all those interceptions in practice because of how good he looked on game day. Um, so I say that to say that what you see on Sundays is not always what happens Monday through Friday. And that was one of the things that I really appreciated was being able to get that in-depth look uh, into my favorite team. So what we did was we rolled that out NFC championship, man. And um, that still sticks with me. Number one seed uh, playing Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers at the Georgia Dome. Fourth down, Navarro Bowman is all over Roddy White. The refs don't call it. I mean, you can go look at it to this day. That's a pass interference. They don't call it. And we're 10 yards short of the Super Bowl. So needless to say, I took that one kind of hard. But again, it, it was what got me to the next spot in my life, which was a more official job with the Falcons in ticket sales the very next season. So uh, the next year, 2013, it was about week four, I want to say, maybe week five or so. Julio Jones broke his foot against the Jets. And then two weeks later, the Falcons call me and say, hey, we want you to come sell tickets for the Falcons. <laughs> so that was my my break into the industry was selling Atlanta Falcons tickets during a four and 12 season. No Julio Jones the year after we came 10 yards short of the Super Bowl. Um, but ticket sales in itself is a blessing. Um, my life is on a completely different trajectory than what it would have been without the ticket sales industry. As you know, the NFL is the most popular sport in America, and to be able to work for that entity is huge. So 2013, work for the Falcons, kind of showed me the ropes in terms of ticket sales. Uh, again, still up close and personal with my team, this time more so on a game day level than uh, a practice level, but still there nonetheless. So again, Falcons kind of showed me the ropes in terms of how to sell tickets, how to make this a profession, um, and, and that's what I do to this day. So after the Falcons... That led me down to Florida State, which was a wild, wild ride, I would say. So that was Jameis Winston's second year at Florida State. As you may remember, he actually, they went undefeated the first year. I came right after they won the national championship versus Auburn, and I was doing ticket sales down there. So that was crazy in the sense that Tallahassee is a very small place, right? It's a college town in Florida. As you know how college towns are, there's usually not a whole lot around them for the most part. So imagine being in a small city, but that small city is literally the epicenter of college football. I mean, that was a year Jameis was doing all the dumb stuff and was getting suspended. And every time you turn around, it was like ESPN or a camera crew of some sort was on campus on uh, at Doak Campbell Stadium. So there is no way you could miss it. Right. Like the players are walking right outside your office for the most part. And every week it was like something new. You would go home and it's like they're talking about the little city of Tallahassee. Right. That was the center of college football. And that was a whirlwind. And every week it seemed like Florida State would almost lose, but they would win. 
every week. It was like every team they played was gunning for them. They hadn't lost in, I think they won 28 straight games or 29 straight games. So every week it was like you knew you were getting the team's best shot. I remember Louis, the uh, team going to Louisville, almost losing that game. Jameis Winston came up huge. I'll never forget watching Jameis throw an interception, then tackle the kid that threw the inter- that caught the interception and made the kid fumble it. Jameis hops on it. And I'm like, this kid is ridiculous. Obviously not quite panning out so far in the NFL, but at the time, Florida State was on top of the college football world. So to be a part of that was amazing. So fast forward to now, here we are. It's 2020. Uh, almost three years ago um, is when things kind of started in terms of sports sales for me in Los Angeles, working for the L.A. Chargers new SoFi Stadium. So that's been an amazing ride, putting you right on the front lines of a brand new stadium being built um, in a big city. Right. The NFL wasn't in, in California, in Los Angeles, I should say, for 25 years, I want to say. So to help them be able to you know, come back and do it the way that I've done it in, in terms of ticket sales has been a, a fun ride, too. Also had the opportunity for the last three years to work for the L.A. Rams at the Coliseum, more so on just a customer service base. Um, so, you know, I'm there for USC games. I'm there for Rams games from the very first game that they opened up against the Cowboys. Highest uh, attended preseason game in NFL history, 90,000 Rams versus Cowboys. And I remember being at that game like, man, the NFL is for real. You can't deny it. Like they stayed away from L.A. for all those years. And to have 90,000 people show up to any preseason game, I don't care who's playing, that's pretty remarkable. So the NFL moving to the cities that they're moving to is good for the brand, it's good for the cities, and it's good for the teams. So, you know, with that said, um, I'm very blessed in terms of the things that I've been able to experience in the sports industry. Um, it's given me a lot of insight, it's given me a lot of opinions to, it's given me some insight to behind the scenes things that, you know, I might not know if I didn't work in the industry that I did. So, you know, I'm blessed to do what I do um, and, and I look forward to keep on doing it. So with that said, again, I wanted to just make this a quick episode where you guys get to know a little bit more about me, about this random dude and why in the world do I think that I get to talk sport. So with that said, that's going to be all for today's episode. Again, thank you for joining us today. Random Thoughts by Random Dude. We will be back soon talking about the Jordan documentary. So again, thank you for joining us. Signing off till next time.